You're listening to Blamo. Uh, we're a podcast with an exclamation point. I'm your host, Jeremy Kirkland, and today I got one of a good friend, again, great guy. His name is Brian Trunzo. Brian not, Trunzo. Not that great. No, you're a good dude. Depends on the day. Well, so Brian's here. Brian has always been this, I don't know, I feel like we kind of grew up together a little bit in a way in regards of like men's fashion and stuff like that, but you're kind of like, you always got your finger on the pulse. Very good, you know, trend spotting, which is a horrible word, but it's a good example. But it's a real attribute. It is a real, real attribute. Thing. But like, you know, I feel like you're a guy who, who you understand more about the business and like how things work and why, you know, something is doing well, why something isn't doing well. And like, in a good way, you've always been like that outside guy looking in and not being stuck in the poison gas, which is menswear. Yeah, I think I, uh, I I did a fairly good job carving a niche for myself when I entered the business as somewhat of a maverick. You call me Young McCain. Yeah, over here. That's right. Um, you know, I, sometimes it, it takes an outsider to fix something. Sometimes, um, you know, someone who is an insider has been staring at the leg of an elephant for so goddamn long. He thinks he's staring at concrete. He doesn't realize it's an elephant. Somebody has to come in the room and tell him that's Whoa. an elephant. Whoa! You know, truth bomb. Like we're like ten seconds into this, you're cutting it. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's. <laughs> Uh, that that's a, a problem in fashion is that, you know, people get so caught up in their mini segment of the business that they don't see the big picture. Right. Um, and, and that's where disruption. I love the reality that. distortion love, field. Yeah. yeah. The Steve Jobs <laughs> reality distortion yeah. field. No, no, I'm talking about disruption. I, I love that word. It sounds so epic. Disruption. I like technology disrupt yeah. or the f- that everything is ripe for a disruption. Well, fashion was ripe for a disruption. It still is ripe for disruption. Fashion is a disruption. It is a disruption Whoa, in and man, of itself. Deep <laughs> meta. So we're gonna. I'm gonna go back a bit because I want to get into how little Trunzo existed. Ooh. So you're from Staten Island, correct? Born and raised. Born and raised in Represent. the SI. Represent. Do people say the SI? Nah, they just say Staten Island. Shit. That's all right. Well, that's fine. So talk about. I'm just curious. So you grew up in Staten Island and what, family four, two brothers, siblings? Yeah, two brothers. I'm the middle child. I uh, grew up in a, in a hyper-Italian household. Um, You're an Italian. Italian. Uh, my dad had a meat market in Bensonhurst, so um, uber greasy shit, you know? Um, <laughs> grew, grew up in it. Um, that being said, Staten Island is an incredibly homogenous place, especially where I'm from on the South Shore. Um, there's this imaginary Mason Dixon line where like culture stops like midway through the island and then it's just Italian. Like <laughs> it's just culture stops. Um, and, and that, that creates a very interesting environment in which to grow up. Um, you know, it, it's a very, um, chest thumping, proud, you know, who my dad is kind of culture down there. It's a very upper middle class blue collar situation going on down there. Um, w- which, is interesting to grow up in because you feel the pressures of being a Guido. Whoa. The pressures of being a Guido. Like you have, yeah. you have to be a Guido to get the girl. You have to be a Guido to have the cool friends. So I, I was. So a the Guido. Guido's good. It's Guido's not. Good. It's not no, a racial no, no. slur. It's, no, it's it's, it's not. Um, especially if you are a Guido. Right. <laughs> You're calling yourself. I'm a Italian, Guido. but that doesn't. I'm like not the good Italian. <laughs> <laughs> so I I mean I grew up you know feeling the pressure to be a Guido. I had a blowout. Um, went tanning, waxed my eyebrows. Like uh, like that. Jersey Shore GTL. Jersey Shore GTL. We were the Guidos before the Jersey Shore. Whoa. Um, but I always knew it wasn't really me. Um, I, I always knew that I was kind of, you know, playing along. So did you um, go, you know, regular school? Like I went to a Catholic school. Right. Catholic high school. Um, play any sports? 
played sports. I uh, played hockey and football. All right. Um, played football longer than I played hockey. Yeah. Um, when did pretty good at it? When did the GTL thing kick in? The GTL thing kicked in for me myself, like before it was actually called GTL. You're asking? Well, yeah, I guess. For me, it was like 14. 14. As soon as you got to high school and you saw the way. So you were hitting the irons. Yeah, the seniors were living. They had this orange glow about them with these like really sharp eyebrows and all the girls hanging off them, you know, with the with the 20 inch wheels. Like you just you had to strive for that for the North Face bubble. Like you had to the Reebok classics. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. You you had to get the uniform, the feel of velour. You had to. And that was the only way to live out there. And it wasn't until I I went away to college, uh, and by going away to college, it was uh, across, you know... uh, (laughs) Did you go to college here? Yeah, I went to NYU. It was uh, was across the Verrazano and through the Battery Tunnel. I mean, it wasn't that far away, but it may as well have been an entirely different world. I mean, Staten Island should just simply be called Mars. You know, it's 20 miles away from Manhattan, and it couldn't be any more different. And that was when I really started finding myself and started to, you know, identify uh, with the cultural things um, that I love today. So, you go to school at NYU. What'd you study? Journalism and history. Right. Which will get you nowhere. <laughs> no, it'll, it'll get you into law school, is what it'll do, which oh. was the next step for me. So, you went to law school where? Uh, Villanova. Dope. Yeah. National, the, the, the national champions of the NCAA. What, basketball. NCAA oh, basketball? Yeah. Oh. They just won this past season. Yeah, sorry. I don't, I don't give up. a shit. I don't give a shit yeah. at all. But. I've never gotten into NCAA because I feel like people are going to get pissed when I say this, but like... They're not that good. No, I, I watch NBA why I like it. It's precisely why I like it because there's not enough talent to field 120 excellent teams. So there it's are going to you're going to have teams that have one or two sus players that like don't belong on the court and they're going to get exploited and someone's going to go off and that's fun to watch. Are you going to make me a convert for NCAA? Eh, I mean, I, I don't even watch all that much of it, but I enjoy it. Saturdays, right? Yeah, Saturday's a big day. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. I just like the NBA because those dudes are pros. Right, they and get like, paid I, for yeah, that. People Although like, they get paid in college, too. Don't let them kid you. Yeah. People are like, no, man, I'm not into, you know, uh, these people play for glory. And it's like, actually, they play so they can make money later, too. Like, <laughs> the whole point is to do a slam dunk. To do to make a dunk? My whole life consists of trying to <laughs> make slam a dunk. dunk. Anything. I want to slam dunk. I want to slam dunk my dinner. I want to slam dunk, you know, as a... As a euphemism and as like a physical action. So why don't you call the podcast Slam Dunk? Nah, I couldn't because boom shakalaka. Yeah, instead of blamo, boom blamo. shakalaka. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a smarter idea. Well, enough about my my crap. Nothing yeah, about yeah. slam dunks. But so you go to Villanova. You're like, I'm gonna be a lawyer. So GTL Trunzo. The only reason why I wanted to be a lawyer was because I wanted to be a sports agent. Oh. So it's deeper. Take the red pill. Jerry Maguire. Go. Yes, I wanted to be Jerry Maguire. That's why I went to law school. But after my first year of law school, I realized that I was too risk averse. <laughs> and then I opened up a business later. But <laughs> I was too risk averse at that time to chase 18, 19, 20 year old kids around the country, hoping and praying that they would sign with me to represent them in their you know, contract negotiations with a professional football team. You know, that, that, that wasn't the life I wanted. I can um, still see you being a sports agent. If you want to do it, it's cool. Is that because I'm shysty? I'm the type of guy that's in the room with the full of smoke? No, I feel like you you have a good ability to to persuade in a good way. Like, I'm like, oh, maybe I should think about this. To the the five people listening to this, what you don't know is that I had to persuade Jeremy to even let me on this thing. There's six. (laughs) There's six. Let's not forget about my mom. Aw. Yeah. Major shout. (laughs) Yeah, Patty. She'd be like, "Mm, more profanity this time, huh? Yep. Sorry. Whatever. 
<laughs> so no more sports. When so like I meet you in like twenty ten. Twenty ten, the golden age of Tumblr. Mm, really. Mm. Golden age of menswear blogging, if you will. So I want to know like when did the big shift occur? Because I've more or less known you as a guy who has been, you know, like I was saying earlier, like a dude who's aware of fashion, who knows that stuff. So you're like, okay, law school, What what is this? Forget it. I'm going to start. I'm going to try to communicate. I'm going to get on Tumblr. I'm going to get... Wh- yeah, you know... What happened? I, I call myself a man of fleeting passions. Mm. Um, I burn bright and hot real quick, learn as much as I can about a given subject, and then I just leave when I'm bored of it. Drop. Uh, and, and the one thing that I've never done that with was fashion. I, I mean, I've always been very interested in apparel and the way I dress myself and personal style and um, the business of fashion, et cetera, et cetera, well before I got into fashion. So so that was always looming in the background. And, and what was bubbling at the top, though, was my utter disdain for law. I completely hated the profession. I completely hated my clients. Um, the guys I worked with were So you were practicing. Cool. I was practicing. I practiced at a big law firm. It's the oldest uh, law firm in the country. Uh, Cadwallader, Wickersham, and Taft. Shout out. <sighs> so many um, names. Yeah, yeah. What about just it's, like it's the lawyers? The only, it's the only law firm that has the, the name of a, of a Supreme Court justice in it. Taft. Not well, President Taft. Okay. Supreme Court Justice Taft. Terry um, Taft. I forget his first name. We'll Fuck say Terry. T-T-T <laughs> <laughs> T, T squared. But yeah, I was, I was practicing law. Um, I was representing hedge funds doing uh, derivatives regulation. Um, it's as sexy as it sounds. And, and my Christmas was ruined. Um, Whoa! What happened? One of our clients wasn't wasn't playing by the rules, mm. um, and we had found out that they weren't playing by the rules. Um, uh, boring are the details, so I'll spare John you. John but book. Uh, basically, for three days uh, straight, I was in the office. Seventy-two hours, I slept in the office. And um, what year is this? This was two thousand ten. Yeah, okay. two thousand ten. And uh, I arrived at my parents' house on Christmas morning. Um, and that was just not cool. What uh, do you mean you arrived at your parents' house? I, I was working three days straight, and then the work was done on Christmas morning, and I, I went to my parents' house f- for Christmas. And that was just so not cool Yeah. Um, that I made a decision there that I had to get out of out of law at some point. Okay. Um, so I started conniving and thinking about how that would happen. Uh, at the time, Park and Bond existed, and there was an attorney named Doug Hand, who is now my mentor and close friend park and bond um, park rest and in bond, peace guilt rest in peace yeah or well rest in peace that guilt still exists whoops yeah, it, it still exists <laughs> sure uh, that's what they say but uh doug was writing a cheeky little column for park and bond called um the style council he was giving advice on how to dress as a business professional i remember the style council lawyer. yeah so i saw that and i was like this dude is really cool he looks like one of those like 40 under 40 types like worked at a massive law firm shearman and sterling left to start his own practice uh, you know he's doing entertainment law he's doing fashion law this guy really got it all figured out let me go talk to him so i went to go talk to him um by first off i i wrote him a, a letter basically a woe is me letter stating like i hate my life I, I don't know what to do so i went to go hang with him he was kind enough to you know talk to me and uh he basically challenged me to to pick up a hobby and um you know i told him that i was a journalism major in high in college and i, I missed writing and he was like you should write and you should write about fashion because clearly that's something that has that's not, what you care about that's what you care about yeah so i started thinking well how am i gonna write about fashion what do i want to write about and uh, at the time, I was I was reading the old Lawrence Schlossman blog, of course, How to Talk to Girls at Parties. And shout out Larry. Shout out Larry, of course. You're involved in everything. I hate you. But um, I always liked Lawrence's point of view. But uh, lately, at that time, I, I thought he wasn't up to snuff. And I wanted to call him out on something that that I didn't agree with. So I, st- I, I didn't even have a Tumblr at the time. I was logging into How to Talk to Girls at Parties.tumblr.com. So I started my own Tumblr so I can 
write something nasty to him. I forgot what I wrote, but it was really nasty. So you basically got I started in Nice Try Bro, my blog. Yeah. So I can say to Lawrence, Nice Try Bro, to him. That so was you were directed at him. Damn. Yeah. And that was, I never uh, even knew that. That was like May 2010 or something like that. Right. Um, or was it May 2011? Whatever year it was, it was, uh, it was around that time. And um, Lawrence answered me publicly. And then I wrote back to him again, and then he answered me privately. Do like, you remember what the conversation was? It was something about Mark McNary. <laughs> I, I, okay. I love Mark, um, and I generally like what he does, but there was one shirt I didn't like, and Lawrence liked it. And the fun I was shirt? Like, I don't remember what it was. Was this New Amsterdam Mark McNary? This is like... Yeah, uh, yes, is this it, like, it this was. This like run-of-the-mill Mark? This was like... Yeah, okay. it was around that time. And it, Lawrence wrote something like... Uh, like Look at how great the buttons are, or something. I was like, "Dog, it's a terrible shirt." You talk about the buttons. It's like saying, "Like, you know, the the, the hideous girl has a great smile." Like, stop. Like, that's just absurd. Why are you doing that? And um, we went back and forth on this, kind of like beefing about it. And he was like, "Yo, dog, like, can't we all just get along?" And I was like, "Yeah, let's hang out." And uh, I met Lawrence uh, over the internet, and we became buds. And this is back when the internet, at least to me, felt a lot smaller. Correct. Th- yeah, this was like, I guess this was like. <laughs> You know, right after yeah, this was Tumblr when yeah. Tumblr was huge. Tumblr. You know, Twitter had been around for like a couple of years, maybe. Yeah, it wasn't what it is now. You got to get a Twitter. Account. There were Did you have micro. A Twitter tw- people didn't have Twitter accounts yeah. then. Let's you should sign one. up. You should sign up for Twitter. Right, you should. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they have my handle? Yeah, I don't know. Let me check. I don't know. Uh, well, so I, to talk to you, I have to at them, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's a hashtag? Yeah. That, around that time, when people didn't really even know what a hashtag was. Maybe before hashtag men's work. Like hashtag rap didn't exist. Yeah. And it does. Hashtag rap doesn't exist now. <laughs> so think think of like what's what's happened, um, but yeah, Lawrence and I became friends. I started blogging. Uh, I started going further down the rabbit hole with uh, menswear. I started taking off work in and around fashion weeks. Um, I was freelancing for WGSN, doing some trend reporting for them. They loved me because I didn't charge them anything. I just wanted to do it because it was fun. Yeah, uh, and it got to the point where I was like, I got to do something, and uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. But all I knew was that I was a mid to late 20-something from New York, living in New York, making money, uh, and disposing of all of it online. I was not disposing of it in the city. Shopping. Shopping, yeah. Right. I I was buying everything online. I was like, there's got to be a a cool store in Manhattan that I want, a guy like me wants to shop at. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to build a store, goddammit. And uh, that's what happened. So like when I meet you, because I remember, I'm going to be very honest, I was going, Lawrence and I were doing Run of the Mill, and I, we were going to Italy. Yeah. And uh, we were going to, to PT. PT. I'm going to just say Pity. Fuck them. Pity. PT is Pity. Yeah, so I'm going to Pity. And <laughs> Lawrence was like, yo, um, you got to meet this dude, Brian Trunzo. He, he's pretty dope. And I think it was because at the time, there was a lot of people that, like, I had met. That, like, I mean, I won't name names, but, like, this one dude who was, like, obsessed with, like, Americana and, like, constantly taking pictures of himself. And he was a boner. But, like, um, <laughs> but like uh, I was, like, no, I don't want to meet a dude like that. I, like, and so, embarrassingly, I had already, you know, had these preconceived notions of what whomever I'm going to meet is going to be. They're going to be, oh, it's going to be someone it's like gonna this. It's going to be a boner. Which is, like, really, in essence, I was trying to be the same dude anyway. I, I am and still, I was and still am a boner. But, like... So he's like, yo, you got to meet this dude named Brian Trunzo. And he's like, he's already in Italy because um, you stayed with us. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't stay well, with you. I oh. stayed with you for one night. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was staying with Sean Hotchkiss and um, who else? Arnold Wong. And, yeah, and Wong. Mm. Mr. Wong. Good. Yeah. Good old Wong. And uh, 
Because he was like, well, you got it. He's like, you need to meet this dude. He's really dope. You should check him out. And I was like, well, I don't know, man. I think we need to just try to work on our business. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, Lawrence tried launching a business when he was like 23. Yeah. That's hilarious. Well, <laughs> you know, I was like, we need to work on our business. We need to do it. And then I met you and I was like, yo, this dude's awesome. Uh, and then I remember, We got along. We yeah, got along. we got along quick. ASAP. Yeah. You were wearing, wearing the Air Mustafas. Oh, yeah. You remember those? Do you still have those? Mm, no. Those things are hideous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty shit. No, but you, you were the first person... I had ever seen rock streetwear with Italian tailoring at that time. You were wearing like a Bolioli oh. K jacket with the Supreme beanie. Now it wasn't this advanced maneuver. Yeah, it was just the Cuccinelli thing over the Supreme. Just I remember. A, yeah, that. it was just a beanie. It wasn't. But like, if only you knew how long I had thought about that. Of course, <laughs> I'm sure you probably changed hats six times. Probably, I had a Don C hat oh right, God. right when they came. Oh God. Anyway, so I met you and I was like, this dude's awesome. And you told me, you're like, hey, I'm in the process of getting ready to launch a store. Yeah, at that time, I went to Pity to do um, research, basically. Yeah. You know, I had come to the conclusion that I was going to launch a store and I was doing research and I was trying to figure out if there was a, a magic bullet to opening a store. Like, what are the barriers to entry here? Like, how right. do I do this? So I was like, just lurking, just like watching buyers buy and editors edit. <laughs> and, um, and people get their photo taken. And people having their photo taken. Yeah. And um, my conclusion, my findings were that there is no magic bullet to opening a store. You, you just have to go raise the capital to do it and then buy the stuff and build the store and have people believe in your vision and, and be willing to sell you their wares. Right. Uh, and that's really it. Uh, obviously, there's so much underneath done. that. Done. See? Oh, that's yeah, all I need. We're done. Go open a store. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, you know, the, the retail math behind running a proper business and a successful business, that's yeah. a different story. But just simply opening a store, you know, there there, there wasn't magic involved. Um, and by the end of that trip, I went home thinking to myself, well, gosh darn it, I'm going to open a store. Yeah. And that was it. So what do you mean that was it? Like, when, when I, I opened what a store. Was, how the much time day. happened? No. That was, that was um, the winter... Uh, that was, like was January. That was January 2012, yeah, I believe. 2012. Um, uh, by the next pity, uh, I I had arrived with um, my business partner uh, to conduct a buy and to open a store. So that was June 2012. We opened March 2013. So we bought products starting in that June through September. Yeah, because you have um, to buy a season. Yeah, end, you buy so. a season. As so it was for spring summer 13. Um, so yeah, b- after that pity. Uh, that was January 2012. Uh, I basically went home, wrote a business plan, uh, raised capital, opened a store. Well, and, well, uh, what is that? Like, so you, you wrote a business plan. Like how? So you're raising capital and things like that. Like what? What goes into the business plan? Like business plan is just everything from the vision and the idea and what caused you to want to do what you're doing. Like there's a there's a gap in the market. Or there's, there's a, a gap void. in the market. This yeah. is how I want to address the gap. Uh, and then you break down the math of it. This right. is what it takes to open. This is our break-even point. This is when we become profitable. Best case, worst case, somewhere in, in This between. is our burn rate. This is our burn rate. Um, these are comps. You know, These are similar stores yeah. in and around New York City that do similar things, and this is what I think they're doing. Um, and just, uh, yeah, laying it all out. It's a presentation, really. Um, so where are you like going to like different funds or different hedge funds or, or invent people to like try to figure that out we did it all internally through our own resources um we we didn't like hit the street really gotcha yeah so how was like the first sort of year because at least what i remember <laughs> i remember seeing 
and the, and the thing why I want to talk about this is because I thought it was very cool in a good way that so you start the store <laughs> and the store basically evolves because the trends evolve. Mm-hmm. So I think like at least to me, you guys started this at around a time where people really wanted to like look professional, wear suits, wear ties, you know, wear things like that. Like, and then, you know, where you guys were, where you ended up with was completely different. But but obviously that was an answering and that was following what was happening. So like, how did you adjust? Like, how do you? Yeah. I mean, starting with the, the first kind of vision of the store and, and um, what it looked and felt like, I mean, you know, that, that came from a place of interest. You know, we, we always approached the business as fans first. And, um, you know, we approached our buys in, in that way. So uh, it truly was a representation of what we wanted to wear. Yeah. Especially at that time. Right. And, you know, taking into consideration certain business judgments, like, can we actually sell this stuff? Sure. Um, and also other uh, external factors were at play. Like, does X brand have distribution in Y neighborhood? Uh, yeah. Will, What's, will they allow us to sell? their stuff sure you know um so the the brand roster was never perfect it was never exactly what we want i don't know any store that has a perfect brand roster no no one does yeah Uh, even though brand rosters are becoming commoditized over time i mean if you go online right now and go to uh, any web store i mean these brand lists are starting to look the same yeah just everybody selling the same stuff common projects common projects apc acne yeah and then on the designer side of things margella yep Dries, well, you can't really sell Dries online, but you you know you know the brands. Everybody knows yeah. the brands. Everybody's selling John Elliott, and and there's a good reason for it because it sells. I mean, and it, it's good stuff. It's good stuff, and it sells. Yeah. But you know, f- few people are taking chances, uh, and we wanted to take chances. That well, that's what we, we took a, a great great pride uh, in brands that we quote unquote broke into the U.S. market. Brands. Yeah, that I mean, there were a lot of brands that I was like, oh, I don't know who this is, and yeah. you know. And I try to play it off like I did anyway, because like I got it. Because that's what you have to do. You have to have it like that. Yeah. Or people don't believe that you're a trend forecaster. Yeah. They don't believe that exactly. you're on top of your shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we approached it from a fan first uh, perspective. Uh, we bought the product that we wanted to wear that we thought uh, was appropriate to wear as as a you know as an urban professional. Um, but as our taste evolved and changed, and as the taste of New Yorkers evolved and changed, we we moved in a more decidedly designer direction to use a, a department store term to describe price point and look and feel yeah um and yeah that's that's where we kind of started moving uh around probably the end of 2014 right yeah so you kind of go through that you're figuring out you know retail and what that is and you know i know that you know like it, you felt like a different calling right because i mean that's not what you're doing anymore correct yeah you know uh, Carson Street was an incredibly fulfilling... Yeah, the store um, is called Carson Street. The store was called Carson Street. Uh, It started as Carson Street Clothiers. Uh, We dropped the the clothiers uh, as we started moving away from, you know, some of the sartorial product that we were selling in the very beginning. Um, It's basically less less hashtag menswear, more... More streetwear. fashion, more yeah, streetwear, more fashion, more yeah, but less, everyone, less clothing. Everyone was doing that because I think the thing that I definitely want to give you guys credit for and, and mention too is there was like a serious shift in every store. Like Odin, everything had to pivot from the fact that, uh-oh, Americana, you know, like hashtag menswear, you know, cargos and, and you know, like tailored, like the whole Italian-American look is gone. Mm-hmm. And it, I feel like it happened really quick. 
And if people didn't plan for it, they got left in the dust. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of stores, you know, really had to to pivot and pivot fast. And, and we always felt tough. that as outsiders and as, as appreciators, really, that we were in a prime position to be able to make those adjustments because, uh, you know, while we came from law and, and we had an appreciation for tailoring and, and we, you know, got our start in fine tailoring, you know, it, it wasn't our core. It wasn't who we were as people. It wasn't our DNA. I, you know, I didn't go apprentice on Seville Row. Yeah. You know, uh, that's not who I am. Right. Um, so, yeah, we felt like we were in a position to be able to make that change and have it feel organic. Yeah. I mean, and it, it was. I mean, there was, Thank you know, you, Jeremy. It, no, I'm serious. It wasn't just like, well, once it's this, no, it's this. I mean, the, you didn't, it wasn't just like a light switch difference. It was, you know, little things started to trickle in. Oh, this is a little bit more designer. This is, you know, and, you know, and obviously things just kind of got pushed out. Mm. And, but, you know, I mean, what? there was a lot of stores that weren't able to do that. And that, I don't know, that's tough. I mean, on one hand, it's like, well, that's business. But the other hand, I don't know. Like, I think it is kind of sad, but also, and I think that's the bigger thing that I want to get at is like, as you're seeing this stuff happen and, you know, and then, you know, you decided to move on, um, what what was what was the like the reasoning behind that? What was yeah, the you know I again while Carson Street was an incredibly fulfilling um, part of my life, uh, you know I, I that I, by no means do I want that to be my magnus opus. You know, like I don't want that. Well, of to course, be I mean you're a young guy. I'm a young guy. I got yeah. a lot that I want to do. Yeah, and um, GTL, GTL, baby. <laughs> I, but I you know I fe- I felt like I had taken the business pretty much as far as I could mm-hmm. um, for the for the position that I was in. Um, right. and, and I needed to find other challenges at that point. You're um, looking to spread your wings, spread my wings a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'll be completely transparent. Um, you know, starting your own business, uh, is in, incredibly taxing from a financial perspective. Sure. Uh, and for me, uh, I couldn't take on the risk of, of continuing down, the path of growing Carson Street for mm-hmm. as much as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I needed to find new engaging projects that were fulfilling that could also compensate me for it, to be completely honest. Um, so, you know, I started hitting the street looking for gigs. And, uh, you know, I, I found that to be incredibly fulfilling because right now I'm working on a few projects that uh, on a freelance basis that are very engaging and very interesting. And this isn't like the bad Twitter thing of like, got some new stuff coming up. No, I got this project I'm working on. I wish I could tell you more about it. Yeah. You're just going to have to sit tight for three months. <laughs> You'll see me on the gram living can, in a few months. Can I vent for a second? I, I hate that. I hate that more it's than anything when someone's ever. like, hey, I want to let everyone know that I'm, I'm the still shit. here. I'm, I'm the shit. I'm the shit. I'm doing some dope stuff. But I can't stuff. really tell you too much about it. This is all I can show you. Here, I'm going to take a picture of the side of this cocktail napkin and just write meetings. Fucking idiots. <laughs> Stupid people. But, so, yeah, I mean, you, you moved on to some mm-hmm. other stuff. And what what about that? How much can you actually... I know, I can, I can talk about all of it. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to call myself a fashion consultant because the C word is such a dirty freaking word. But technically you are consulting. But technically I am consulting, but so you're it's, consulting. Such, it's such a dirty word though because everyone's a consultant. Oh man, I have a blog. Well, because I'm, you, I'm, a you have a, I'm a creative director. How many people on LinkedIn do you know that are creative directors? Well, I'm nothing? the CEO, creative director, chief of financial Blamo. officer of Blamo and of Jeremy Kirkland Inc. Exactly. Damn right. Yeah. Big Jeremy. title, little company. No big deal. <laughs> but no, that's, so I'm, I'm hesitant to call myself such, but 
I am consulting. Um, I'm doing some really inc- uh, incredible work with the folks over at Liberty Fairs, um, the trade show. Trade show. Trade show. Um, Got to get best, a business card to get in, though. The best trade show out there, uh, in my mind. Rest in peace, um, Capsule. <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> That's no, it's kind of true. It's all right. Um, in any event, <laughs> no, they, they're always ahead of the curve. You know, the, the folks over at Liberty, they, they know what's up. And they know that the world of retail and wholesale is changing and they want to do interesting things. They want to be standing in a position that when the world finally shifts, when the world of fashion finally shifts, you have to see now, buy now, direct to customer, all this stuff. But when we finally know where the industry is going, they want to be in a position to be able to make the shift. Um, so I'm, I'm helping them develop these pseudo retail projects. Uh, we got this great partnership with Farfetch that we're launching in October. Um, we're putting together retail concepts, pop-up shops, and things like that, working with the Liberty Stable of Brands. Um, so if there are any brands out there listening that are thinking about what trade show to show at, um, you can come see the folks at Liberty. Respect. Get involved and uh, be a part of some of the Email trunds at trunds.com. No, That's Bri- not an email. Brian at libertyfairs.com. I have my own email with them. Really? Oh, yeah. That's dope. And no, it's just great. first name. It's not even first, first name. Last. There's no other Brian there. And if there was, fuck them. Yeah, I'm get Brian. Out, get out of here. Get yeah. out of town. Uh, so that's that's <laughs> one of them. Uh, another one I'm working with is advertising agency that is uh, putting together another special project for uh, a national, a multinational, actually, uh, beer company uh, that they do work for. Respect. Um, so I'm basically generally contracting for them a fashion project. Okay. Um, under a different name, it's it's not going under the name of the beer company, um, but we are going yeah to probably be, be tough. Uh, you want to hear an awesome word I learned from these advertisers? Ooh, ooh, all right. Activate. We're going to be activating a brand activation. activation. This sounds like South by Southwest. Yeah. We're going to be activating the product across the country, mm. rolling it out, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at every activation, the beer company will be there as well. So while the product is not called X Beer Company, um, the beer company will be like lurking in the background making everything possible so this and the is folks are they're amazing folks real real talented people it's been very 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 fruitful for me huh. so this is like the meat of the bone or the, that's not even a freaking i apologize the meat of the bone sucks that's not anything but i was one of the heart of it that i want to get at more than anything is like because you again i feel like you have this like good observational viewpoint from where you are so because like the world's getting smaller because there's everything that's online like what do you think ha- is happening in regards to a few things one being fashion and then w- we can answer all three one being like fashion which honestly whatever um fashion but the biggest thing is the ready for it disruption the disruption of the market and the Damn fact right. that retail is totally changing you have like basically i know a lot of people they just buy stuff on mr porter and you know and then also how like technology is coming into and not disrupting but really affecting how people are purchasing how i mean I, I can talk about this until i'm blue in the face i just Let's do it you know i'm a self-professed futurist so I, I love to think about the future of this business and uh, i'm writing a newsletter now you can subscribe tinyletter.com backslash nt bro uh do i subscribe t- tomorrow uh i will uh, tomorrow at 9 a.m i'll be sending out my next one uh and it's on relevance uh the difference between fashion and apparel and uh see now by never Okay. Because it, if you're not relevant and if people aren't talking about you, you can make clothes today and put it in your store today and you're going to sell a, uh, approximately as much as you would have of last season stuff, right. which is and nothing. Yeah, and um, I feel like there's a lot of brands that more or less make around the same type because if, uh, I think we can both agree that like what people want right now is more or less streetwear, right? Yeah. Like fashion some streetwear. Some high-end streetwear with, yeah. with real performance fabric. So like that's, that's the one buzz. hoodie plus... One ripped jean equals 
one complete fashion look. brand. Yeah, complete look. complete look. Fire fit. Yeah. So, like... 1,000 followers. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> so, I mean, but wh- who makes that hoodie? And what is, you know, and how how is all that stuff, like, I mean, kind fashion of- now, more than ever, and it, o- it has always been, to some extent in my mind, but now more than ever, is a practice in marketing. You know, these direct-to-customer brands, their customer acquisition is through marketing. They, mm. they buy customers they spend money on acquiring you to buy their shit yeah um and in traditional fashion brands they're buying you through billboards right uh, they're buying you through Kendall Jenner. their alignments with celebrities with the kardashians and 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 the jenners you know i, I mean th- that that is the world that we live in so you know if you're going to start a brand uh, every brand makes beautiful stuff every brand makes really cool stuff but if no one else cares about it, they'll never sell enough. So how do you become well. a brand that someone cares about? And it's not like you, there's you're going to give me three things and that's what uh, it you is. Know, the, mar- the marketing angle is very real. Yeah. It's very real. Uh, if you're a fantastic marketer, you can suck at a lot of other things. Right. You know? It, it's, oh, uh, they exist. I know who they are. It's like being an incredible uh, dunker, a slam jammer. A like slam, slam dunk. dunker. I love it. If, We're you, if it back you can to play beginning. above the rim and, and dunk, yeah. like you can suck at a lot of things and get by. You yeah. know, it, that's what marketing is to me. But but from the branding side of things, I mean, you just have to stay true to yourself and, and really have your own special point of view and stay true to it. Um, those are the brands I see that continue to do well. Um, and there's also a certain political angle to things as well, too. you got to play nicely with others. Yeah. you got to be friendly with the magazines and the editors. You have to be friendly with the PR companies. And the other people, because, like, yeah. I mean, it is a small world. And the fashion being industry, in this especially while, on menswear, is really small. It's very, you yeah, can't like... go around town burning bridges. Yeah. Even if that Vetmont shirt says that you can, that it's going to light the way. Fuck that. You can't, <laughs> you can't burn bridges. I'm sorry. No, you um, can't. And the people that did... Like, I, it's it's tough. Like, because the reputation stays, and I feel like you know, you know, this that's not to to call anyone out, but it, just the fact that you know, it's such a, a small community. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, my dad always told me when I was a kid, you, you you never know when you're on the side of the road with a flat tire, like who's gonna drive by, right? And like what you said to that person ten years prior, and if oh. he's gonna stop his car, you know, it, it's true. Um, so yeah, I mean. Marketing is so important. Staying true to your own vision is so important. Playing the political game is so important. Um, very few people are out there, you know, reinventing the wheel and really creating. And what's unfortunate is that the ones that are really creating, usually it takes so long for them to get put on that they stop creating or someone knocks them off. So it's sad. Mm. It is. It is. Like J. Crew comes in and redoes what you're doing. J. Crew had never heard of Patchwork or Boro, and they meet a couple of people who, who are really good at repurposing Patchwork and Boro, and then, you know, it's in their presentation. So that actually happened? That did actually happen. Can I talk about that? Can we talk about that? You can talk about that. Yeah, sure. I I don't. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just saw so some for, snaps. For, for those of you who are not a part of the Cognoscenti, um, you know, Rare Weaves, shout out, Hartley Goldstein. What up, Hartley? Really dear friend of mine, uh, creative visionary, and and just a a good, sweet human being to boot, who has a really beautiful dog as well, Izzy, sweet dog. Love Izzy. I love Izzy. Uh, You know, Hartley's out here creating, you know, he's he's making product, um, beautiful product under the label, Rare Weaves. um, Right. You know, vintage-inspired, Japanese-inspired, American-inspired workwear, really. Yeah, it's like patchwork workwear. It's it's pulling from many different disciplines. Um, There's really nothing quite like it in terms of the overall picture in my mind. I mean, you know, there are plenty of people do patchwork, plenty of people do borrow, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, the vision... 
Asian is it's it's, it's his own, and um, you know he took particular offense to um, to J Crew's recent presentation during Fashion Week, um, which looked eerily similar to his own wares. Uh, he took particular offense to it, though, seeing that uh, he's friendly with the men's creative director. Right. Uh, who is very intimately knowledgeable of his product. So in his mind, he felt like there should have been some credit given or maybe that he should have been a part of the presentation or that they shouldn't have done it at all. But, you know, it's the world that we live in. Um, you know, people are influenced by others. And yeah. some, some view this as the highest form of flattery. Right. Others view it as a ripoff. Um, however you view it, that's up to you. Uh, I mean, that but those are the facts. Yeah. I mean, that that happens a lot. I mean, because sadly, I mean, he's not the first. Um, I know that, maybe, this is J. Crew again, but I know that they had knocked off the Hillside guys, you yeah, know, Emil and it Sandy. Happens. And there's tons and tons of, like, really small Etsy sellers that will, you know, they'll make something, and Anthropology has a list that's like a mile long of jewelry, you know, reinterpretations, or, or however they try to, you know, make the legalese to avoid any sort of suit. Because this is a, a weird thing. There's not, there's not like copyright or law. I mean, so you know law stuff, but there's not really a I'm, law that I, I wasn't. A, I wasn't an intellectual property attorney, but okay. it, but what I do know is that it's really hard to prove this stuff. Yeah. Not only is it really hard to prove, it's costly. Are you really Are you really going to go through with it? You got other. You're too busy creating to worry about being ripped off. Yeah. You know, it's like all these comedians that get ripped off by the fat Jew. Like, are they all going to like? be up in arms suing him or something like yeah. I mean, it just, Man, you roll if, with if it. they would have known that I wrote that joke I would have my Comedy Central show right now yeah, and that's not even true right? well yeah that's and you don't that's not even true <laughs> and you just gotta keep keep, uh, keep well imitation it. is the highest form of flattery it is it is it truly truly is yeah um, but you know what goes around comes around as I they guess. say so we'll see yeah I don't know so can't we all just get along I, that's the thing I don't think we will because here's no, nah, not that people are going to fight, and I'm not trying to get into another thing. But I feel like at the end of the day, too, all of these things end in business, right? So yeah. you're trying to make money. You're trying to you know, get people involved. I mean, you remember when Anwar did the black leather jogging pants and then a lot of other people did jogging pants. And, you know, and that's still kind of a thing. You know, the whole jogger, not, the Rick Owens not jogger. Not leather, though. Definitely not leather. Not leather. It's not but that practical. the jogger is still having its day. Talk about 15 minutes, long 15 minutes, man. Yeah, it's like 18 and a half, maybe 19. There's a, there's a <laughs> bunch of guys in Murray Hill right now rocking joggers. Yeah, I don't know if that's cool. Do you having, wear joggers? Having little boxes show up at their apartments neatly folded with, with joggers in them. I definitely still kind of wear joggers. No, I, I, don't, I don't wear know. joggers in the sense that like... You're, you're trying to rock a fit? Yeah, it's not like part of my fit. Because like your fit I, right now I, is some dope jeans, dope yeah. sweatshirt. Yeah, you know, com- comfy. Yeah, you're looking good. Thank you. I appreciate it. No, but I, I, I own one pair of trousers currently that can be classified as joggers. Um, and I love them. They're from Wu Young Me. They got a tuck pleat, um, pin tuck with uh, elastic bands at, at the cuff, um, zip pockets. I'll put that really in the show cool, notes. Really cool hardware. I'm not familiar with that brand. Wu Young Me. Oh, love it. Yeah, I mean, Mother daughter Korean women uh, combination. They're fantastic. Really? Yeah. It's cool. Let's check it out. So, you think we got it? I think we nailed it. I think I think we summed it up. So, fashion's a better place now. Yeah. So, if people want to get in touch with you after this or yeah, tweet just, you uh, or whatever, how do they do that? NT Bro. NT Bro, because you're still NT Bro. NT Bro forever, man. Right on. 
All right. So thank you so much. You've been listening to Buemo. Uh, it's a podcast with an exclamation point. If you like what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, I'd appreciate it. If you want to find us elsewhere on the web, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Blamo Podcast, or you can email at blamopodcast at gmail.com. Most people do that. And uh, yeah, I think we, we're in. We got it. Thanks for having me. This was fun. All right. See you later.